Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I am Illegal86, one of your three hosts, but there are four of us today. We are joined by our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, I'm going to introduce you before Technic and Nerdbomber because I don't like them as much. So That's harsh. The most important goes first. Wow. Right. It is harsh, but it's it's the truth. We're happy to have you back for the last episode of November. Turkey Day has come and gone. Presumably, we have all eaten a lot of turkey. I don't know. I mean, I actually, I, I feel like turkey for me this year, I showed up to Thanksgiving dinner and I had some turkey, but mostly not turkey. You know, everyone talk, like, why don't they call it stuffing day? You ever think about that? No, it's all about the, the sweet potatoes. Part. Ooh, sweet potatoes. Yeah. Stuffing is the best part. I, I think I have to agree with, with Steven. I think that's what you said, Stephen. Stuffing is the best part. Yeah, stuffing's the best. I was telling these guys beforehand, I went to visit my wife's family this year for Thanksgiving, and I engaged in, I'm going to call it philosophical debate about the art of stuffing. And I, by the way, this is coming from someone who has basically can't cook. I've cooked stovetop stuffing, but that doesn't really count. I've never cooked stuffing for a Thanksgiving dinner, and yet I was I was leveling opinions. So that was my first misstep. But I feel pretty strongly that stuffing belongs inside the turkey at some point during its cooking process. Well, that's why it's called stuffing, because it has well, to be stuffed in something. Hold on. Some people call it dressing. What? Who calls it dressing? Yeah, I've heard it called dressing. It's true. Look it up. Google but what it if it, you have yeah. to. What are you dressing? You're dressing the turkey. It's a side, yeah, it's a side yeah. that dresses it. I, yeah, I think that's right. So so I was essentially re- rebuked. And, you know, we all have different... Look, at OWLady6 on Twitter, should stuffing be in the turkey or should it not? I'll open up a Twitter poll. This will be, be off the main show account. This will be just on my account. And I'll just... I want to ask that question because I feel pretty strongly about it. I guess, spoiler alert, I feel strongly that it should be in the turkey because it gets the turkey juices in it. And that's what makes it good. Sweet potatoes are the ones with the marshmallows on top, right? Or is that yams? Also, what is the difference between a sweet potato and a yam? Yes. Can someone walk me through they're that? They're the same. They're the same. They're the same thing? Then yeah, for all intents and purposes, they're the same. But are they biologically the same? Because you're, 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 you're making it seem like they are not the same, but they basically are. They're the same. Just stop. Well, okay, sorry. I'm sorry. So, okay. One is a little bit like starchier. When you cut into a yam, it's like white inside. When you cut into a sweet potato, it's more of that like orangey color. But generally speaking... I thought it was the opposite. I thought the yams were the orange ones. I'm just going to say I yam what I am. I thought yams look more like potatoes-ish. And a sweet potato looks more orange. But I could be wrong. Putting immense strain on our fact-checking department immediately, like two minutes into the episode. What are yams? What are sweet potatoes? We'll leave it to the listener to decide. Looks like the yams are the white ones. Yams are the white ones. Okay. The more you know. Also, a quick Google says that sweet potatoes tend to have slightly fewer calories and more vitamin C. Look at hey, that. Hey, that's good. That that's, now seems like a good time to mention that typically on, on my family's Thanksgiving table, there is nary a yam, nor a sweet potato. It's not featured. Really? I don't know if that... Strange. Yeah. I just, I, it's, it's just never happened that way. I don't know. I think, maybe, I think we like carbs too much. Well, actually, are sweet potatoes a carb? They're probably still a carb, right? Potatoes are like a starch, know. right? I don't know. But a starch might also be I, a carb. But anyways, thanks. We're not nutritionists. Right. We're not nutritionists <laughs> yeah. on the Online Warriors podcast. No, not, that, not that that was advice, but if you're considering it advice, you shouldn't take it. All right. We had Thanksgiving. It's over. We're all 
pleasantly full. We were not recording this right after Thanksgiving. That'd be weird, but it just you could pretend that we are. This week, we are going to talk a little bit about Pokemon Scarlet Violet, how the release has gone. Uh, we have some boots on the ground here, someone who has played it to some extent, so we'll be talking to them. I'm not going to reveal their identity until we talk about it, but that's, that's, that's a thing. We're going to be talking about, I, I would say, well, it's not a sequel to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which we talked about with Steven here as well on a previous episode, but uh, there is another horror movie that is deriving some inspiration from a Disney classic that we'll get into. And then we're going to be talking a little bit about this FTX thing you've been hearing about, and in particular, how Amazon figures in. So there's a lot of news to get to. Uh, we're getting back into the thick of it here. Uh, and we can start. It? Sure. Look, that's a TikTok thing, right? It's a really old TikTok thing. I think that was like peak 2020 stuff. I missed TikTok. Well, I didn't, I mean, it's still, I could not miss it if I got on it. Like, it's not like it's gone, but I'm not, I'm not on TikTok. You guys are the TikTok people. So I'll leave that reference to you. Let's talk about Pokemon Scarlet Violet. So I want to give you my perspective on this. So Pokemon Scarlet and Violet both came out on November 18th. So uh, right before, a week before Thanksgiving, essentially. And my perspective, first and foremost, as a non-Pokemon player was, I don't care. (laughs) that's just that's honesty but i soon started caring because i was seeing a lot of a lot of activity on the twitter sphere about how it was graphically poor a lot of clipping issues were being reported uh frame rate issues of varying quality i saw pokemon like going over cliffs pretty routinely seemed like a lot of things that were potentially getting in the way of gameplay both performance wise and gameplay wise so you know I don't know that there are plans for them to put out any patches, but I don't think there were any crashes. That's that's something that's worth noting. I didn't see a whole lot of reports about crashes, just kind of a lot of graphical issues that you may not expect from a franchise as big as Pokemon. So so first and foremost, I want to turn it over to our, our man on the inside, Tactic. You are playing Scarlet or Violet currently? I am playing Violet for the intended market research of this topic. There is no right. joy to be had. This is pure our research and development team right here. It's, in fact, I will say, I hope you had zero fun playing it because that's not what the goal was. The goal was for you to report back on your findings. Well, that's a problem and, uh, because I'm enjoying the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you've had the opportunity to play it a bit. I guess the first question I would have is, have you experienced... The, the level of visual issues that are being reported. So the, the level of visual issues, it's, and I want to, I want to say this, yes, you are going to experience it and it's not. So there's a number of modes you can play. There's co-op mode, there's, you can be online, offline, whatever. And I'm opting for offline, not co-op, just as basic as it can be. Okay, let me be clear here. And it is, yeah, it is like like stop motion on like some of the cut scenes where like there is a scene where you walk into the classroom and all of your classmates are like, you know how the little kids are cl- kicking their legs back and forth where it's like flipperama where you're flipping the page and their legs are just jumping between two positions. It's it's bad, okay? <laughs> but okay, at the so that, same interesting. At the same time, going back to say the red version, the blue version, it was the weird glitchy things that became these rivaled stories. Oh my god, of our missing childhood. no. Missing no. Level 120 Golduck, like Mew under the truck. Even I know. I know about missing no. And I don't again, I don't care about Pokemon one one single bit. So I guess I just don't like that raises an interesting philosophical question that we'll get to later. But my continue point, your the point is the glitchy the jumpiness the sporadic scenic 
issues, they're not affecting the gameplay. The gameplay is still very good. It's it's still the Pokemon that we know and love, the adventures that we know and love. And I don't think it's really a hindrance to it. But what I want to talk about this is, is people have taken Scarlet and Violet and played them on an emulated Switch on their computer. No issues. So what I want to say, and yes, one could argue that this is the developer's fault for not designing a game that's truly compatible with the hardware that it's played on. But really, we're getting to a point that that I think that the Switch is outdated. The Switch is vastly underpowered for what it should be. See, this, this is very interesting. We've been, so you're we've been the hardware. clamoring that the Switch Pro should have came out last year. So what's up, Nintendo? I, well, okay. First of all, I don't have a horse in this race. And, and we can go around the room. But, but I find it interesting that you are not blaming pokemon <laughs> like i to me it's this is such this, these games are, and like i'm glad that it's not influencing it's not that i'm you, not you blaming can... pokemon pokemon the developers did not make the game appropriately there's been vastly superior graphically games <laughs> that are way more complicated than what? pokemon that if have had was, no right, clipping issues, issues none of these things and played just fine pokemon is to blame but the statement stands if nintendo would finally get their sugar honey iced tea together and give us the switch pro they would go away i think i would agree with you if so like if there was a switch pro and the pokemon developers were trying to target the game to a specific system that was not the switch i think you would have more of a leg to stand on but the switch was what they were what they should have been developing this game for these, it's, it's, it sounds yeah, like a like lot of these point, things are things that playtesting should catch. It's and maybe they like, did catch it. It's not like they were developing the game for multiple systems. Like if it was a cross-platform exactly. game, I could understand it a little bit more. But you do like you know what the Switch is at this point. It's not like it's a new console or anything. Like you know what the Switch is. You know what it can do. Yeah, and, and I'm not again. I'm exactly. not saying that the developers didn't mess. I'm saying they did. They did poorly release a game and just simply didn't care about the graphics or didn't evaluate it on the appropriate console. But let me let me ask a follow-up question and a more philosophical one, which is should we care? Do we care? Do are am I caring too much about this? Like, I think it, it's, it's hilarious. I it's actually <laughs> heightened some of my like I caught an Azural inside of a rock. Like it glitched inside of the rock and I was like, you know what this Rock and all, that's my that's my Pokemon now. You were you were talking before about Pokemon Red and like, you know, back in those days, these things were like I guess we don't know. We didn't have social media where like people could just go on and complain and it would become this story, right? Maybe people were complaining, but now people look back on it almost fondly as 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 you, you both did when when it came up. So like I guess I don't know like if the gameplay experience is largely intact, which it sounds like it is, then some of the glitchiness is this a has, has made certain like inaccessible areas accessible early in the game. So like there's the the classic Skyrim trope of being able to climb a mountain by jumping backwards. Right. Guess what? Which you, <laughs> you could do it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it, right. normally first, I maybe. should be should have the fly ability unlocked before I can do that, but I'm able to climb up mountains and get all of these hidden TMs that I would have had to fly over to get very early on, like literally right away. And that's kind of making a neat experience for me. Broken games can be made fun. Okay, so I, I have a bevy of questions that I want to round table. Yeah, let's do it. Do you care personally if a game has poor graphical performance like frame rate drops 
bugs if the game is still fun, if the rest of the game works well. And I'd like to start with Steven with this one. Let him have some input. I'm going to say no. I've never been a graphics guy. Do you just laugh at it and move on? Yeah. It's Atta just boy. part of it. Like, I remember when like Arkham City came out and no, not Arkham City, Arkham. Arkham Knight. It would have had. Yeah. It Arkham been. Knight. Yeah. And I had my yeah. boat. I had my car floating in the air and yeah. it was just fun taking pictures of that stuff and video and it's just fun, but it didn't affect the gameplay really. It didn't affect me fighting. So it just moved on and kept playing. And that's why like Nintendo I've always enjoyed because I don't need like the high-end graphics i just like the gameplay and that's usually what they come with can i go next because i i've I've strong feelings about this well i want to i want to just want to follow up there are a lot of games that have literally hung their hat on beautiful graphics gameplay story be damned and that's just i agree with steven that's just not what nintendo's about and also like if you're not having fun it doesn't matter how pretty the game is right that siphons in like my answer prepare to roll your eyes is it depends very much because if if this if we're talking about a game like Pokemon, which is not at all designed to be photorealistic, then yeah, I kind of care a little bit more. Well, no, actually, what I meant to say is I don't care as much because it's not trying to be that, right? Arkham City, on the other hand, or sorry, Arkham Knight, is striving for some level of high graphical competence, right? It's not a game you play on the Switch. It's a game that you're supposed to be able to see in great detail everything and it's supposed to look like you're playing a movie if things go wrong there like i'm gonna be a little bit more upset like yeah i will laugh at it i'm, o- I'm only human right if i see a car floating or if i see a-, a dead guy humping the wall of course i'm gonna laugh classic dead guy yeah but but it's you know it- it's interesting because they theoretically have a bigger lift to accomplish games like that where they they need to look like they are photorealistic so there's probably more things that can go wrong from a graphical perspective and from a performance perspective but i'm willing to cut them much less slack than a game like pokemon where it's never really been about that right it's you know it's it's always been about the gameplay which in and of itself is very very simple so for me the answer is it depends which i know sucks as an answer but I think it really is situational. I would also say like the switch, I'm willing to give a lot more leeway and, and kind of to your point tactic where like it is not a PS5. It is not an Xbox series X. There is not a switch pro. So I just naturally expect less from it. So if it delivers less then I'm not as upset by it, but I don't know I, at the same time, you know, Pokemon is such a big deal that I just feel like it's like, really? It's, for me, it's more a function of the company that, like, the developers that made the game and, like, what the game represents. That makes the fact that it's not up to snuff seem like more of a more of a criminal act. I but, think in terms of the developer, with the Pokemon games, I feel like this is a giant step forward for the Pokemon franchise. And I know Arceus came out, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong again. I always do the hard C. I know it's not a hard C. I don't care. That's how I say it. We know it. what you mean. Yes. Yeah. I know that that explored the open world concept and even Sword and Shield had like the open world area, but this is like the first fully like 3D open, like there's multiple, I think, quest lines that you can follow. I've not played this yet, but from what I've heard about everything, there's multiple quest lines you can explore. This is kind of a big jump for the Pokemon franchise. And so I do give the developers a little bit of slack just for that as well, because It's a major step of evolution. They don't have experience necessarily with a game of this breadth and depth, you know? So if the next Pokemon iteration comes out and is still having a bunch of buggy mess issues all over the place, I think I'll be a little bit more irritated. But even then, like, as long as it still functions and it doesn't crash your game, I don't know if I care that much. You want to see if they've learned their lesson. 
right. essentially, which I, I think I think is fair. I, I mean, look, we've come so far, right? Like, I, and again, like looking back to like the Game Boy days, like I think all of us just went into video games as as a medium having generally lower expectations. So it wasn't even that when we saw Missing, though, like we didn't necessarily even think it was funny. We just thought, okay, this is you know this this can't be perfect because it's 1992. And can I just say like how the heck did we all learn how to find it? Actually, the internet. For me, it was the internet. (laughs) I think mine was like bus talk, like school bus chat. Ah, bus talk. The classic, it's where where I learned a lot of stuff. I distinctly remember I was on, I was probably too young to be on Pokemon message boards, but there I was. And I was on Pokemon message boards and everybody was freaking out about Missino. I think I might have been even a Pokemon message board on Neopets. Talk about some... inception stuff going on there but yeah it's very situational but like and and to kind of tie into part of what my what are you up to is going to be is yeah i'm continuing to play assassin's creed 2 although i've transitioned to the Ezio collection on the switch and like the graphics are very 2009 but my expectations are also very 2009 so and and you know so long as it doesn't get in the way of the gameplay, which nine times out of ten it doesn't, then I, I don't care. Kind of, kind of, kind of to to Stephen's point, you know, you, you laugh at it, and in that case, in particular, you laugh at it and you say, "Wow, two thousand nine was something else," and then you kind of just move on, right? I do think this is a different situation, though. I think Pokemon, the Pokemon developers, have a little bit to answer for, and I don't, I don't know that we have news of a patch. There's there was a one point one update, but there hasn't been a patch for a lot of the things that are being kind of swirling around Twitter right now. One last generic roundtable question that I did have is, you know, we talked about how just now that it's kind of on the Switch being outdated, but also really on the developers, but kind of focusing on the Switch being outdated, you know, I can't even remember when the Switch came out, but it feels like it's been a staple in our living room for quite a while now. I mean, it came out during the last gen of, you know, the Sony Microsoft consoles, and it's still going hard. There's really no talk of a new Switch. Like, there's always rumors and rumblings, but there's no announcement. Yeah, but that's not like a a true hardware upgrade. I mean, that's a screen upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you guys think that the Switch is outdated for, like, games and what new developers are trying to bring to the table now and do you think that we'll be seeing a switch anytime soon or do you think that the switch is perfectly okay kind of chugging along for the next few years as it is i think if we're gonna see one it won't be until december 2023 for what it's worth the switch came out initially on march 3rd 2017 i just did some quick googling so whether that colors your answer or not so about five years i'm trying to think of how long a console generation usually is so like five to eight i think it's longer than that would be my initial reaction i i i would say that you know i think the switch has always kind of been it's what nintendo does right they're playing to a different market than the ps5 and the xbox one or the xbox series x is and i think they can continue playing to that market in a perfectly adequate way for another two to three years so for me i don't i don't feel like it's an imminent need but i you know I don't know. I'm perfectly happy with the experience that I'm having there. But again, I'm going to it as a console for a different kind of experience than the PS5. And when I'm playing PS5, I expect nothing but the absolute best performance and, you know, graphical capabilities. Steven, your thoughts? Does Nintendo need a Switch Pro? Maybe. I don't think I need it just because I have a PS5. And the Nintendo does a good job of developing their games for their hardware. But the third parties are kind of what they'll probably need. So they probably need something. I could see it coming with, and there's been a lot of speculation that maybe it'll come with the Breath of the Wild sequel or with Metroid Prime 4, because they might need it for that. 
So <laughs> Metroid Prime Four, the game that's been talked about for ten years and maybe yeah. it may never come. It will come some point, <laughs> maybe. I feel like it has to, but that's a good point. You know, do they? You know, I'm sure Nintendo already knows, right? And they will time it for one of their first party titles, like the two you just mentioned. But I, yeah, I would guess 2025. I don't know. It feels a little arbitrary, but I, I, I think that you know. I think you busted. Cons- you think I busted? I mean, c- considering the, I feel like they, it's been a very successful console, especially considering like I got one in, tw- I think it was 2020, and I had a, a, such a hard time getting. And granted, that was like it was in the middle of COVID. It was like supply chain issues and you know demand issues. And, and Nintendo tends to choke demand for their consoles pretty severely. That same thing happened with the Wii. But the fact that I had such a hard time getting one and the fact that like Animal Crossing was the phenomenon that it was and like caused people to buy consoles to play it, I, I feel like they're probably doing just fine. And granted, we're now two years removed from that, you know, craze, but it's it still it, it feels like it's it feels like they're doing OK. I guess time will tell. Who knows when we'll hear about a Switch Pro, but I would imagine that's what it should be. I hope they don't call it like the Nintendo Switch S or something, because that would be Microsoft. You're blowing it. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. You need to get better naming conventions for your consoles so uh yeah pokemon scarlet violet let us know on twitter at technic thinks it's great at ow league lady six at ow technic at ow nerd bomber are our host accounts and we have a main show account at online warriors one what has your experience been like is kind of the the governing question have you seen all these performance issues and also do you care that's also a valid question let's now move on to something very very different so i don't think it was the last time you were here, Stephen, but I think a couple times ago when you were here, we talked about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which was a horror movie where Winnie the Pooh kills people, ostensibly. I actually haven't seen it, but, you know, slasher movie is, is, is kind of what the gist of it was. Uh, it came out this summer, and now we are hearing about Bambi. It's something weird. Bambi it's not the Blood Reckoning. The Reckoning. So basically, Bambi is going to be getting a similar treatment. Is, is kind of the idea here now i want to say from the jump my, my my first thought upon hearing this it's first of all partially inspired by the ritual which i did see and i thought was pretty good i think bambi is already scary that's like like i i think when i was a kid i was vaguely afraid of bambi because spoiler alert isn't it like right away that bambi's mother gets shot oh yeah oh yeah right in the beginning that's that's but that's scary. not the scary part of this. It was scary to me. But this yeah, is I, I, this is different. Yeah, this is like the hunter kills Bambi's mom and then Bambi goes on a rampage. It's like, I'm going to take you down. You step into my woods, you won't leave. He he gets his, his mother gets killed by man. And so he takes on the persona man, man. What? Or man, deer. It's a Batman <laughs> reference. Man, man. man. Let, let, me, let me quote here the director, Scott Jeffrey because I, I think this quote is, is pretty telling. Bambi will, will be a vicious killing machine that lurks in the wilderness. Prepare for Bambi on rabies. Steven, I want to turn it over to you because you're, you're one of our movie experts. Are people out, because I wouldn't know if they were, are people out there clamoring for Bambi on rabies? Because I, I wasn't, but I could see it. I, I, I can see a vision here. I think it's just people like their horror movies and they can be made for cheap and make a lot of money. So, I mean, the Pooh movie looked pretty cheap, but... I think it's mainly just the IP that people maybe will go see it for just to see what it is. Maybe look, act like it's a car wreck on the side of the freeway. You know, they just got to look at it and see. Right. Just and it, it's, it. it's a similar origin story, I believe, to 
Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey in that the book, the novel upon which Bambi was based, which is Bambi, A Life in the Woods, has just entered public domain, which I believe is the same thing that happened with Winnie the Pooh is it entered public domain, at which point anyone can kind of do whatever they want with that story. And I do think like, and I, pro- I may have said the same thing last time, like horror is a very interesting genre, right? And there's a lot of things you can do with it. And like you mentioned, it can be very cheaply made and it can maybe make a lot of money. And a great way to make a lot of money is to get people talking about it. And look at us here talking about it. Like, I, I, I do think it's an interesting idea. I want to I want to turn it over to someone else for, for their thoughts while so, I Google how Blood and Honey did, because I don't actually know. Well, Blood and Honey, the thing about Blood and Honey is they were very humanoid. And I wanted to ask you guys, do you think this Bambi is going to be, and, and I know it says it's going to be like Bambi with rabies, but do you think it's going to be another humanoid thing to keep the budget? You know, they don't have to worry about animation, anything, anything like that. They're just going to say, this is ripped Bambi now. I think they could do something kind of like, and I, I know you're not supposed to say the word because then it'll come find you, but uh, I'm going to take the chance here. Beetlejuice. No, uh, I feel like they could do like a whole Wendigo type deal where Bambi goes crazy and like becomes the Wendigo almost. Because isn't that like a deer head sort of thing? Sorry, which movie? were I was looking at Blood and Honey. Which movie were you referring to? He's trying no. to get you to say it as many times yeah, as possible. Yeah, no, I have to say it again. It, like I was saying, Bambi could become like the Wendigo, but uh, oh, the Wendigo! Because the Wendigo is like a deer head is. sort of deal, right? I'm trying to. Think I think back, the Wendigo, like the Wendigo, the ritual was an, creature looks pretty frightening. Because I looked that up. Were, yeah, the ritual creature, and I think the ritual creature has like some deer like elements. Yeah, yeah. the Wendigo is like look, maybe spoiler alert, but like we played it until dawn. At least I did. I think Nerd Bomber, you played it and you might have yeah, opted was, out. It was scary. <laughs> it's it's that's not it's it's a little frightening. The Wendigo, I don't I think it's it's humanoid. I don't think it's deer like, but I could be wrong. There's a lot of like legends about I think the Wendigo is one of those things where like people might not even know what it completely looks like. It's just like a lot of rumors because it's, you know I don't want to call it an urban legend because it's not that, but it's like it's you know, it's one of those things. I did a quick Google. And it definitely looks like a deranged deer man. Oh, yeah. That's 100% what Bambi's going to be. You are, uh, oh, my goodness. You are spot on. The Bambigo, potentially. <laughs> they should just rename this Bambigo. I also, I want to say, so, first of all, Blood and Honey has not come out yet. It had a pre-release, it had a pre-release and it looks like the reviews have been mixed. Someone wrote that it's a perfect, ex- and I'm quoting now from Kelly McClure from Salon, it's a perfect example of the wrong that could come from a creative work slipping into public domain. Someone else wrote... Katarina Fetter of Artnet wrote, you can't buy publicity like the kind they've had. And something tells me that this indie passion project will find its funding, bringing to life the director's unique ideas about murdering women in bikinis. That's interesting. I also want to mention that Bambi the Reckoning is one of two movies that had been mentioned in a similar vein as of this month. The other one, Peter Pan, Neverland Nightmare, (laughs) which I love that title so much. I, I, I don't, I don't, I know nothing about it, but I think this is really interesting. I think that I could see this, like, I would love for one of these to be good, I guess. Like, I don't know that Blood and Honey will be good. I would love for one of them to be startlingly good because right now, right, we're talking about it like it's, I don't want to say we're talking about it like it's going to be some kind of joke, but like it's, I don't know, are any of us taking it seriously? I feel like the answer might be no. Well, it's a joke. It, it'll a, be a it's joke. A, it'll be a joke, but I think it would be very interesting if we treated it that way and then one of them turned out to not be. I think the chances of that are very low, but I think that would be interesting. I do want to like shout out to the the directors if if they do if they like go through with the Peter Peter Pan one, they need to do a cover of the song Lost Boy, but like a like a creepy version by Ruth B. Whew, 
that would just be just do that just do that please peter pan it's another one that has i think a path towards being legitimately frightening the concept of peter pan there's i I don't think it would be challenging to find horror in there you know winnie the pooh i think it's kind of hard to find yeah i think they're getting easier with their content honestly yes exactly uh no release date on this yet uh really really no no talk of that but it's in development so we'll continue to check back in on that but in the meantime i guess let us know what you think about a the concept of a bambi horror movie bambi the reckoning who will get reckoned or just wrecked women in bikinis apparently potentially women women in bikinis in in the woodlands it's very confusing premise but we'll see i guess question is do you think thumper and the skunk will appear oh was the thumper flower? absolutely will be flower? there 100 percent thumper will be there i don't know about the skunk i mean thumper thumper's gonna thump some folks right that's the implication someone's getting thumped uh who it is i'm, again, I'm maybe terrified to ask what your definition of thumped is but we can move on <laughs> someone's I, I i think like i picture it like someone standing there and then thumper is a giant rabbit that just like hits them over the top of the head and they kind of like go into the ground like a tent stake that's what i see as thumped in any case uh yeah i guess you can also also let us know what your definition of thumped is uh, I, i'm terrified now to go on my twitter but it might be interesting so right now we are going to take a short break but before we do i have to give props to our fantastic guest mr stephen keller who is here with us and he is here with us as a result of his patreon subscribership that might not be a word but i'm making it up at the night level of our patreon which is our highest of three levels he is a producer of this show as a result he gets this occasional guest spot he gets input into the weekly game segment in which he will this week be participating so he gets a leg up on the competition not that there's much competition coming from me, but you get the idea. He also, of course, gets input into the well, no, input into the weekly game segment is what I just said. Uh, he also gets uh, access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, as well as the producer shout out every episode. That's the night level, which is the highest of our three levels of support on Patreon. There's also a squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment, and a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So you can head over to Patreon.com/slash Online Warriors Podcast. Get all the details there. Thanks again to Steven. Consider subscribing. Come hang out with us. Help us keep the mics on and the voices flowing. We'll take a short break now to shout out a sponsor, and we'll be back to discuss FTX. Hello, me popsicles. Why don't you grab your multipass, a drink, and come sit with us? Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. Let's do this. Join us and let's talk about science fiction topics in books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget your multipass. All right, FTX. Look, it's, it's the latest crypto. You heard Tom Brady is in trouble. Tom Brady was in trouble before this happened to him, but he's in more trouble now. Uh, Steph Curry, I believe, also in trouble. FTX is one of the latest cryptocurrencies. It's actually a crypto exchange in which Tom Brady and Steph Curry, among many others, were significant investors. They filed for bankruptcy fairly recently. You've probably seen photos of Sam Bankman-Fried, who is the FTX CEO, who's currently obviously under fire. The long and short of it here... Amazon has already ordered a limited series, which I, you know, I wanted to talk about this because I don't know what, I guess I don't know what the story is here, but I also think it's very quick 
to, like the dust has not settled on this yet and i wanted to talk about this less in the sense of ftx and more so in the sense of media's reaction to things like this happening wherein like people lost millions upon millions of dollars it was obviously like not good for anyone and like we're seeing a lot of television based around this like i think there was recently one and granted uber is a successful company but like i believe right now there's an uber a series about like the founding of uber that's like going on on hbo and this is not a pushover thing the russo brothers who you may know from like avengers endgame are attached to create this series for amazon so eight episode limited series production starting by spring of next year at that point like there's probably still going to be open questions about this so i just I, i want everyone's take on I guess the ethics of like, can we just do this already <laughs> is, is kind of so the question. They're, they're kind of claiming rights. They don't necessarily have to ha- release it right away. And so I get the move. I think it's, I think the rush to claim things makes sense because Netflix is just gobble, 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 gobble on everything. Um, it's maybe a little Thanksgiving pun for you. But I don't know that there's necessarily a rush to get things out. I think it's just the rush to claim things so that you can hold the rights to that story. And they can wait for all of the evidence and story to come out in a timely manner at that point. Yeah. I, but and also, I want to add some more color to this. So Apple was apparently close to signing a seven-figure deal for the rights on a book about the CEO for FTX and also the crypto exchange in general that's being written by Michael Lewis. If you don't know who Michael Lewis is, Moneyball, The Big Short, The Blind Side are are things that he's responsible for. This is designed to be a feature film. As far as we know, that may still be going forward. It's kind of a different thing, but for what it's worth, like that's what I want. I, I am the kind of person, and maybe someone here can explain to me, like billions of dollars evaporating as a result of this company going under and like it seems like no one knows where the money went and also like the crypto in general we've talked about it on the podcast before but my understanding of it is still pedestrian (laughs) to say the least and movies like the big short have done great things for me in terms of like the big short explained the 2008 financial crisis to me in a way that was very understandable and it was designed to do that and i need that resource for crypto because looking at the face of this i i only barely understand it in my opinion and it's not really it's a little bit of fact a little bit of opinion but the stock market cryptocurrency it's all it's all not real so billions speculation billions of dollars disappearing is based on there was something that was highly overvalued and then push came to shove it no longer has that value it's the same thing with shares sometimes they get you know we it was it was big with twitter and elon musk he would he would post dogecoin it would go thousands of dollars up what does him saying dogecoin have to do with any value of anything it's all and this is to say nothing of apes i mean talk about apes i actually i saw a might have been like a twitter fact or something like fact of the day but Justin Bieber had bought one of those ape NFTs for like 1.5 million. That's not an exact figure. None of these are exact figures, but it was like on the order of over a million dollars. And now it's only worth something like 50,000, which is still a lot for a digital ape picture. But the amount of money lost, and I think that was within the span of less than a year. Man, that that is crazy to me. I feel like in five to 10 years time, like, you know how we have a bunch of there's documentaries about like we work and what is the firefest firefest and even that 
what the medical company i'm blanking on the name i literally just had theranos yes i feel like that was kind of like the hot documentary topic all of these startups that just kind of she, she like, just went to prison yes by the she way. did shout out to her shout out shout out to elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> but You're like in prison they all these documentaries about kind of sketchy startups i feel like in five to ten years time we're gonna have a bunch of documentaries about crypto everything and nfts steven i want to turn it over to you like like what are your thoughts on I don't want Amazon to go like like this is a, a like glamorous story about capitalism. You know like I I I don't it's not that I don't trust them to make it more of a cautionary tale but like if you were to watch this what would it need to be? I don't know. I don't know if I would watch it. Yeah, if the answer is just you wouldn't watch it that's fine too. Yeah, it's I probably good. would watch it but like I probably want it more to be a documentary rather than like a reenactment show like i don't want it to be like the social network or i don't want them to hire actors i want them to actually like talk to the real people and show those people rather than just reenact stuff right and what i'm I'm glad you mentioned social network because like for what it's worth i like the movie the social network but one thing that i think it probably does is like and, and whether it intended to do this or not it glamorizes mark zuckerberg and like he did some some poopy things to various people and it kind of makes it seem like oh well he's just a misunderstood guy and like i i feel like not knowing a whole lot about the ceo sam bankman fried like I, I i wonder if the intent is okay we're gonna do some damage control for this fella i would like to think that's not the case but i, I just it, it all feels very soon for me to be for them to be like hey let's you know yeah l- let this. all the facts come out let all of the justice be served as it will and then do it you know you don't want to yeah bias anyone anyhow in any of the investigation legal wheels turn very slowly if there's one thing i know it's that so again if they're starting production on this next year like they there's going to be a lot of questions unanswered at that point so i think we'll have to wait and see more (laughs) but for now i guess just know that if you're a fan of kind of docu-series that aren't really docu-series but are reenactments as steven put it will be you know rejoice because this is coming date exact unknown right now we're going to head into what are you up to wednesday and as is often the case well as is always the case when we have a guest on i'm going to turn it over to our guest to start things off steven it's great to have you here what have you been up to that you want the listeners to know about i think we'll start with so thanksgiving usually is a big time for movies i think there was five or six that came out this weekend or this week so I saw three of them, and I'll kind of rank... I'll start out with listing them did you in see, order. Did you see... I don't want to cut you off. Did you see Uh-oh. Glass Onion? Because I saw Glass Onion. Yeah, so let's 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 go through the three. I'll rank them in okay. least, <laughs> okay. least the favorite. So we'll start with Strange World was my least favorite, the new Disney animated film. And then I saw Glass Onion. That was my second favorite. Mm. And then The Fablemans was my favorite. So I don't know if okay. there's any of those you want to talk about. In well, so I'll, I'll talk about Glass Onion because I was, I was planning on wrapping that into my update. But I want to ask you about okay. the Fablemans because, because the Fablemans, the trailer alone, I struggle with movies like this because it's a movie that Steven Spielberg made as a testament to the fact that he loves movies. And it's about his life. It's a, it's a, it's essentially autobiographical. Yeah. yeah, it's a memoir that he put on film rather than book. I love Paul Dano so much. That is like one of the main draws for me, but it's it sounds like it was really good. I loved the trailer, like the tra- I watched the trailer ten times, so it's good to hear that it was good. I'm sad for Jake Gyllenhaal and Strange World. <laughs> like, I didn't really Strange have an World intent to see good. it, but it, yeah, it's just kind of like it's beautiful to look at. 
the hair and the fabric on the clothes, like the animation is just spot on. But then the story is just kind of meh. And probably part of it was I thought it was going to be more of like a space adventure. Like they went to this planet, but it's more of like an old like 1950s pulp adventure. Huh. They don't really go to space. It's just kind of the world they live in. They find something underneath their world. and Oh, so, so it's, it's Gears of War. Uh, kind of, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, probably less pro- violent. Probably lo- yeah, less blood. Yeah, how yeah. many chainsaws so, were less... in there? <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was any chainsaws that I can remember. But yeah, so it was more kind of like a, a little adventure story rather than a sci-fi kind of journey that I was expecting it to be. But Cool. With the... But the Fablemans, yeah, I loved it. Spielberg's my favorite director, so I kind of was biased going into it. It is long. It's like two and a half hours long. But like I'm an old man now, and I fall asleep pretty easy when I go to the theaters. And not one bit was I going to fall asleep during this. Like, so It was really good. If I know the story correctly, Steven Spielberg kind of snuck onto a set to try to get his way into the industry and become who he is today. Is that is that correct? Yeah. More or less, yeah. But when, that's not. This when, is kind of prior to that. This is him growing. It's a, a child. Kid. Yeah, this it's is childhood. him getting his first camera as a kid, going to his first movie, kind of. Then it's more about like his the relationship of his parents. You, so it's just you are are, are someone who has a vast love for films. When are you going to sneak into Hollywood and start that's, your career? It's it's far away. I'm I'm far. There. It is far. And yeah. also, I've I went to Hollywood somewhat recently. I was traveling for work, and they're like, "It's not that great." Throwing that out there, it's not that great. It's not as glamorous yeah, as you think it's going to be. It's, it's a lot of working in coffee shops and stuff like that. I think it's you know, it also takes true. a lot to get in, so not worth it. <laughs> I'm I'm also one thing I want to ask about the Fablemans. You know, I I'm sure Paul Dano was incredible. Seth Rogen. What the heck is he doing in that movie? Can you, yeah, can you speak he, to that at all? <laughs> like it, he is a little. It's kind of more like his role from what was it, Steve Jobs? It's just more serious. Okay. He never. I don't think he ever did like his weird, goofy laugh. There's no. Uh, he he's probably never high too. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a lot tamer than, and he's not in it too much. But they do a good job of restraining him. I think so. Yeah, he's I'm very interested. And I, you know, I am for what it's worth. I'm glad you brought up how long it is because I, I think there's a general illness in film right now of like every movie has to be over two hours, and well, it's, it's real bad this week. It's real, it's real bad, and, and, and I, I, I have so much more respect for movies that are 90 minutes. Like I, I, th- I think that's because these days it seems like it takes talent to get movies like that made. So I want more of those, but we're not getting them at all. This week's movies with Glass Onion was two hours, 20 minutes. Fableman's two and a half hours. That movie Devotion was two and a half hours, I think. Yeah. It's just everything's two and a half hours. It's a the, new, the new Black Panther, I believe, so That's Wakanda Forever, I, yeah. I, I believe is two and a half hours. It's like, yeah. c- come on. Like someone, have, like, give me a break av- here. Avatar's like th- over three. And the new yeah. Damien Chazelle Babylon movies over three. So I genuinely want to know, like, who enjoys a three-hour movie without a break? Like, are there people who can sit that long without having to like get up and stretch their legs or go to the bathroom or something like that? Because I feel like, yeah, unless tough. you're watching it at home, you end up missing part of the movie then because it's almost inevitable for me like i try to go to the bathroom like right before the movie starts i try not to drink anything i like lock in when i know it's three hour adventure but like probably two hours in i'm like i 
I'm like, I've got to run to the bathroom soon. I hope I don't miss anything good. I, I understand it. And I actually kind of appreciate it from the perspective of like, I'm paying $15 for a ticket. I want, you get more value from it if you're in the theater longer, theoretically. But I think it oftentimes leads to stories being drawn out that don't have to be, right? It's, it's a fine line, but like, I do think the two hour mark is like, you should try and be below that. <laughs> it just seems like a good, a good watermark of like, if you're going over that, you're probably some things should be on the cutting room floor that aren't i don't know maybe i'm wrong about that but that's that's just how i feel but good to know the fablemans because i i i'm definitely interested i'm more interested now um and i'm also glad that glass onion wasn't last on your list because i'm going to talk about it and i thought it was really good is there more you want to discuss with folks or are you ready to turn it over only other thing i'm doing is playing god of war ragnarok Ooh, Um, i need to know how you like it so far i don't have it yet i'm about eight hours in i think and I'm liking it. It's just, it's kind of a lot like the first one. Beautiful to look at, fun combat, impossible to put down. Yeah, it's just really fun. I feel like it's a little bit more exploratory. It feels a little bit more uncharted-y than the first one did. There's a lot I'm of- I'm listening. There's a lot of climbing up cliffs and exploring and puzzle solving that I don't remember doing in the first one so much, but- so, yeah, yeah, I don't remember I, like cliff climbing in the first one. I know there were puzzles that you could do like off to the side, like a lot of the side when you were in. I don't even remember what the, the lake was called, but like the big serpent. Lake. Yeah, you could like do puzzles and stuff, but it wasn't like yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah, this one you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Yeah, because you refused to play God of War, right? That's you, true. You, that's that's, what, just, that's what I'm known for. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so I've been told it. Yeah. But well, now yeah, I have to. I, I tend to not listen to Nerdbomber, but I listen to other other people. So yeah, Steven, tell him to play it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he needs to play. I think it. he just did. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's the one game I'm playing, other than watching the World Cup. I want to talk about Glass Onion. So I saw it. It's very fresh in my mind. I saw it last night. For those that do not know, I am a Knives Out stan. I think that's an accurate use of the term. I saw it three times in theaters, which for me is is unheard of. I was very very into it. My mini review of Glass Onion, because you, you can't talk about it too much without spoiling things. It was very good. It was not as good as Knives Out. It is kind of, and Steven, you can, I don't know if you saw Knives Out, but you can correct or deny kind of that, that interpretation of it. I think it was very, very right. good. I do not think it was as good as Knives Out. And I think people are saying it's better, and I don't really understand that. I think it was perfectly good, and I I love the genre, and I love Daniel Craig. He's amazing in that. There's a third one's already production. Um, with him attached to star and ryan johnson attached to write and direct i believe for netflix this is a franchise that you're going to get probably five movies out of if not more like it, it's it's going to be an unstoppable train that it's going to draw stellar casts every single time uh, much like this one did it was a super super fun experience i'm really glad i saw it in theaters because uh, it, it does come out on netflix for everyone i think christmas eve or christmas day but yeah, this was a one weekend only now. yeah this was like a one weekend only I, I probably to get them awards consideration there's probably a rule that they uh had to fulfill by like putting it in theaters for a week which i'm happy to go and spend i like i love this i love the franchise so i was happy to spend the money and go see it and i'm glad i did i would recommend it especially when it comes out on netflix you have nothing to lose go watch it if you like knives out at all you're gonna love this it's kind of my mini review. So do yeah. you feel like it was too much of a comedy? I don't. I actually, I, I think, I think the best part of it was that it was funnier than the first. That was the one thing. It was funnier than the first one. I That's think the I mystery. Like about it. I feel like it was too charactery slapsticky to me. My issue with it, and that's a totally fair point. If, if, if it's not what you're looking for, then you, you were probably disappointed because there were a lot of, a lot more 
explicitly written jokes in it not explicitly in the sense of like they were raunchy but like they were written as jokes i think the mystery just wasn't as good that was that was my problem with it. i think it was the first one did so many things very very uniquely and legitimately had me shocked at the end this one you know these movies are all formulaic in the sense of at the end daniel craig's character explains the mystery and, and what the solution to the mystery is in knives out when he did so at the very end of the movie i was legitimately floored i didn't see it coming in this one i had about a 20 to 30 minute head start at least i knew where it was going which i don't want to call that a crime but it 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 just the mystery was less potent to me in this one than in knives out so it's still very good definitely see it worth your time and your money and also your netflix subscription the only other thing i want to shout out i've I've been playing more assassin's creed 2 i'm not really going to talk too much about that because it's it's a pedestrian experience so far that most people are familiar with but i want to shout out actually another podcast that i just started listening to called script apart and script apart is a play on like ripped apart they have screenwriters of movies on and they discuss first drafts of movies that i've sent like for example i've listened to mission impossible and oceans 11 so movies that were like extremely successful and what the first drafts looked like and what got ripped out and it's it's fascinating so i would recommend it that's it for me i will turn it over to nerd bomber Walk us through the life of the bomber. So we have continued to be watching Resident Alien. This I don't remember if we've talked about this, but this is a sci-fi show. And we got Peacock for a little bit so we could, you know, watch soccer and other fun stuff. And we noticed this was on there. We had heard about it for a while. Like even my parents like it, which my mom is not really into big into sci-fi type stuff. But she really enjoyed it. So we're like, hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna watch this. It has Alan Tudyk in it, and it is pretty good. I don't know if it is like a ninety eight percent like the Rotten Tomatoes rating gives the show, but I find it very entertaining. It's very stereotypical sci fi show. Like if you liked stuff like Psych or Eureka or anything like that on the Sci Fi Network, it's pretty much the same kind of like formula almost where you have like your fun cast of kind of not offbeat zany characters but they're just like kind of quirky fun characters that you're following around and then you have like your main character who is a little bit different from everybody else and in this case the main character is an alien who assumes a human form to blend in because his ship crashes on earth and he obviously just needs to blend in and takes the identity of a doctor and then he gets pulled into the town's life because everybody he he's just living up in a cabin on vacation but then the town doctor passes away and they need a new town doctor so they come find him not realizing he's an alien obviously and then he has to start interacting with people and it's just a fun kind of ensemble show with like an overarching plot line and it's a 45 minute to an hour runtime too. So especially now in like these winter months, I typically tend to lean into like the longer shows because in the summer, I feel like we just have so much stuff going on that, you know, we try to stick to those half hour comedies. So this is fitting into our, our life right now. There's only two seasons though, and we're nearing the end of season two. So we have to find other things to watch soon. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Other than that though, I did finish... Finally, The Winners, the Frederick Bachman book, which was the third book in the Beartown series that I've been talking about. It is very good. The beginning was as slow as I was saying, but once it picks up, it is as good as the first two Beartown books. But also, you know, like many Frederick Bachman books, tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. So be in a proper headspace if you want to read that, but it is a very good book. 
And last but not least, I am still playing through a Plague Tale. It is still very heavy. I am still struggling because it is so heavy and it's very stealth focused. I'm getting very frustrated just because I think I just want to play like shoot 'em up games. And I'm making myself play a stealth game because I really loved the first game. And I think I do enjoy this. I just don't know if I'm in the mood for it. So I'm grappling with that right now. I I don't know if I want to move on from it because I know once I move on from a game, I never go back. But I don't know if I'm in the headspace for it at the moment. And I really want to play stuff like, you know, God of War, which I don't have yet, but who knows? Everyone's favorite shoot 'em up game, God of War. (laughs) Well, no, but that's like more action. It's not just completely stealth. Yeah. Like, right. I, I want to play something more action-y, but I'm making myself play it. <laughs> I Been there, done do you that. Guys, yeah, do you guys ever I get, get into that? Where, like, it's a game that you know is really good. Like, it, it's been nominated for a Game of the Year award, and I really did enjoy the first game a lot. But there's just, I think, it's super heavy and very stealth-focused, and I just don't have the patience for that right now. But I am i can't make myself not play it either. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me. I've, I've done that before where I've, I've insisted on this is the game I'm playing right now, whether I want to be playing it or not. (laughs) Like regardless of whether the game is even supposed to be good or not. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And it's, I I, I don't know why I do that. Especially after I hear myself say it, it sounds ridiculous, but I, I, I I do know what you mean. Yeah. It's a, it's a sick, twisted part of being a gamer. Yeah. Right. Indeed. There's a sweet spot with how long a game takes to beat. And sometimes they do not meet that sweet spot and you got to buckle down. I will say it is probably double the length of the first game. So that might be why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling too. Because like the first game was also like, it's about the plague back in the day. Like it's not a sunshine and rainbows game by any means. But the first game was only like 10 hours. So I think that it was a little bit more digestible to be in that headspace. And this one is more like 20. So I'm like, I, I want to tap out. <laughs> but... I got to see it through. I got to do it. Respect. Tactic. Want to wrap us up here? Okay. So in addition to starting to play Pokemon Violet, in order to allow myself to start to play it, I needed to beat Breath of the Wild. And I did. I finally beat it. I know I was saying how hard that game is, but honestly, once you figure out, like even if you suck at dodging and you can just, you just take hits to the face all the time which is my strategy of how I play. If you just know how to cook a billion meals so you just keep up in how many hearts you how how full your hearts are, the game's a great time. So 10 out of 10 recommend playing Breath of the Wild if you haven't yet. Like I don't know why you're waiting so long to play it. Who does that? And then also play Pokemon Violet. In addition to that, we went to the Tectic home of where he grew up. I went to I went to my house for for Thanksgiving and and Nerd Bomber came along and we enjoyed the holidays. I got to see my family and that was a good time. We're going to be doing a late Thanksgiving with hers pretty soon. That's Did all you I got. In your childhood bedroom? No, that's weird. I get a hotel. Oh, rats. <laughs> no, there's no rats. That is a just, no rats? No, there's no rats. That's not why. I just prefer a hotel. Sounds like a nice hotel. So, with that, oh, cool. Quiz time. Hit, hit us with the quiz, man. So the quiz topic, and before I get into it, it is Bing Crosby trivia, but Illegal, why don't you hit us with the records? Yeah, I can do that. So, uh, well, it's not going well for me. Tactic 13 and 11, Nerd Bomber 12 and 10, myself 10 and 17, Steven 2 and 1. 
So Steven with the best percentage base record. Nerd Bomber and Technic really fighting for the top spot. So the real story here is will Nerd Bomber win? Because if she does, she holds on to this top spot. If she doesn't, she will not. So uh, without further ado, Technic, sing us a song. In what year was Bing Crosby born? Who, who's going first? We're going to have Nerd Bomber go first. I'm trying to think White Christmas came out in... Well, you're on the right track so far. Yeah. Um, White Christmas came out in, was it like the 40s, maybe? Maybe the 50s? But would he be... That doesn't make sense. He was he was born when it came out, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, it doesn't make sense. He, he wasn't born in the 1800s, was he? No. No, 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 no. That would make... Who are you talking to during this? Myself. I, I like to open my okay. inner inner dialogue, you know, so people know what I'm thinking. I'm going to say 1901. Boy, that's, I think that's a great guess. I, I, assuming I'm going next, I just, I just want to say I think that's a great guess. My back is against the wall here. I feel like I have to go 1800s. No, he wasn't that old, though. 1910. He was a he was a spring chicken when he came out with it, the first White Christmas. Okay, the pressure I feel like is on for me right now. Small nugget, Bing Crosby is from where I'm from, and his childhood home was on the campus of the same college I went to, and so I have a little bit of... You have the inside track here. Is yeah, but I don't know anything about him other than he got an honorary degree from the same college I went to, and... I'm going to say, does going plus two equal a plus one? I'm going to no. say, I'm going to say 1903. Stephen Keller gets it right on the money. <laughs> okay. I can't even be mad about that. He was born May 3rd, 1903. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, you could be mad if it was like 1904, but if it's 1903, you can't, you're not allowed to. It's like, actually, that's like in the bylaws. So Stephen's on the board. So the next one is he has been in a multitude of films. How many films in total was Bing Crosby in? Oh, and I'm first. This is more than you would think. That's my immediate gut reaction. I'm going to say 13. Lucky number 13. That, that's way lower than I was going to guess. I feel like back in the day, everybody was in all the movies. I'm going to guess 31. Okay, so you just reversed 13. I see what you did. All right. That's Nerd true. Bar. I didn't realize I did that. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle, so I'm going to say 20. So Stephen Keller takes this one as well. It is 70 total films. Holy macaroni. Yeah, back in the day, they were always in movies together. I know Holiday Inn and White Christmas, and I'm out. So there's 68 movies that I don't, that he was in, apparently, that I don't know anything about. So if you think he was in a lot of movies, how many songs did he sing? Like different unique songs. And I didn't, I'm not saying which ones did he write. How many songs, different songs did he sing? I'm going to say 322. I'm going to go ahead and say 600. Yeah, it's a lot. I think it's in between you two. I'm going to say 400. You're stealing my tactic. It didn't work for me last time. So Nerd Bomber takes this one. It was a total of 1,600 songs. Wow. I mean, that. I guess that makes sense because he could even like... Think about his Spotify playlist. So just to clarify, I'm losing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No, that's nothing new with that, though. Best you could do at this point is tie. Which, again, checks out. Okay. So he also died at at some point. Everybody does, yeah. In what year did he die? picturing nerd bomber with an abacus over there i'm pulling out a calculator i feel like he was probably like 70 and we know he was born in 1903 that's pretty easy math that is pretty easy <laughs> math. i don't know why i dug out a calculator for that uh 
I'm going to say 1970. I know that's not the perfect math, but I'm giving myself a, a little window f- to be wrong. I think that's a wonderful guess again, but I'm going to, I have to go later than that. I think he, I think he lasted a bit. He's famous. He had money. He could get treatments of varying quality. I'm going to say 1992. Wow. He almost hit the big nine out. Yeah, that was, that was old. I'm going to say 1968. Small window. All right, so Nerd Bomber takes this one as well. He died October 14th, 1977. So we basically have a tie between Steven and Nerd Bomber. We have two one people question playing the left. Game. Yeah. Okay. You can play spoilers. Play the spoiler. Uh, yeah, I'm just here for comic relief at this point, but hit me with it. What was his net worth at the time of his death? Ooh, love this question. Not as much as you would think. $2 million. Dang it, that was going to be my guess. But he gets tons of royalties, probably, with all those Christmas songs. I'm going to say $4.5 million. Do I be a jerk? Do I use my plus one? Say $4.6 million? I think I'm going to be a jerk. I mean, the the, well, that's the real plus, plus one would be $4.5 million and one. Okay, yeah. yeah right. $4.5 million and one, then. I mean, cruel. Sorry. It's a cruel so, world. That is a harsh. We'll Nerd Bomber busted. takes this one. Oh. He was worth... Way more than you would have thought. <laughs> okay. $60 million. So, Tactic, that sucks for you because now Nerd Bomber is alone in first place. Yeah, I'm sorry to do it to you, Steven, but I have to no. be Tactic. You she's not that. sorry. Do, Listen, look, am, she's not sorry at all. I am an unbiased quiz holder. It doesn't suck for me at all. <laughs> so, Steven, Steven moves to two and two. So, now his record is kind of similar to your two guys. We have 13 and 10 for Nerd Bomber, 13 and 11 for Tectic. So, near near 500 percentage. I'm at 10 and 18. You hate to see it. All right. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm you're not going to get punishment. it in the next four weeks. So, yeah, I'm preparing my last year. Yeah, I'm preparing my concession speech, which I'll, I'll give in, in due time. But for now, Nerd Bomber will host next week's quiz in which I will hopefully do better, if only to play the spoiler. I mean, try to keep things competitive. But in the meantime, Stephen, we thank you so much for being here on the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. You can head over to, not you specifically, everyone can head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, head over to Patreon, consider joining the club like Stephen is a part of the club, and uh, hit us up on Twitter. Handle's already mentioned. Stephen, before we let you go, do you want to shout out anything else, or are you good to just kind of fade into the night? Give us a tech uh, tip. Whoa, I don't know if I have a tech tip. I do have a funny Bing Crosby story, though, for you. That that counts. It's the same thing. So on campus, they had a bronze statue of him, and they had a Bing Crosby day, and he had to have a pipe screwed into his mouth on the statue, cause, and there was only... Th- two or three pipes on campus and i broke one of them while screwing it into his mouth so watch out when you play with bing crosby's pipe so bing crosby's ghost is somewhere being like that stephen keller and like shaking his fist in your direction yeah Uh, how does it how does that feel with me it felt bad It (laughs) (laughs) it was not a good not a good not a good moment for me but so there you go. In other words, the tech tip this week is don't mess with Bing Crosby's ghost. Yeah. Don't mess with his pipe. It's... Don't mess with his pipe either. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that was a creepy, <laughs> creepy <laughs> giggle on Nerdbomber's part. Uh, we'll leave things at that. Have a great week, everyone. We will see you in the month of December.